This is TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And the State of the Saints podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Over 2 million men worldwide choose Manscaped for all their below-the-waist needs. For those that love the Lawnmower 3.0, well, I got news for you. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all through additional guards lengths, sizes 1 through 4. And looks wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish, even features a hot foil stamp, black chrome Manscaped logo. Show your moral off loud and proud. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code State of Saints, and you will save 20% off of the lawnmower 4.0, as well as other Manscaped items. That's manscaped.com. Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. And this is the first episode of the State of the Saints podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. So I want to give a special shout out to the Pigskin Podcast Network, the official home of the State of the Saints podcast uh, for the twenty. 21 nfl season uh want to say thank you all for checking out the state of the saints podcast those those that are following into the chat uh those that have been uh giving me topics to talk about i really do appreciate that as well on this edition we're going to be talking about the saints wide receiving court and can the saints win games consistently with this wide receiving court uh the reason why i decided to come up with this topic was because you know, the Saints defense has been dominating uh, training camp, and that is something that is very uncharacteristic. I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves. I mean, as happy as we are, uh, we've never seen the Saints defense uh, just play as well as they played uh, in this past training camp going into the season. And even though we're excited about it, we have to ask the question, uh, is it the fact that the defense has – uh, made a turn uh, for the better or is it the fact that the wide receivers of the New Orleans Saints aren't just that good um, me personally um, I feel like the defense has uh, taken a step in the right direction uh, I feel that the defense has uh, been planting seeds to be 
a top tier defense over the past three to four years. And I don't feel like this is an outlier. Um, to be quite honest with you, if this was just Pierce training camp, uh, that I was just seeing these guys dominate when uh when it comes to like me just hearing people like Jeff Duncan talk uh talk about it or Nick Underhill talk about it or Ross talk about it, then I would be like, ah, you know, saying maybe they they left some unanswered questions. But when you're going up against a team like the Baltimore Ravens and you still put on a really good defensive performance for the most part, uh, when your offense was struggling, you have to say uh, that the defense has turned a corner. But let's go ahead and talk about the wide receiving corp. Um, I'm, I'm not as down on the wide receiving corp as some of the other people that follow New Orleans Saints football. And I just think that the New Orleans Saints fans sometimes, not all, but some, uh, they fall into this trap of, uh, wanting well-known guys. So uh, when they don't have a team or guys that they recognize, they automatically assume that we have the bottom of the barrel. You know, when I say a name like, for example, Odell Beckham Jr., people's eyes probably get wide. They raise their eyebrows. They get excited, right? Because the name Odell Beckham Jr. has a little bit of cachet about it because he's a really good wide receiver. If I say something like, I don't know, um, AJ Green, you know, saying people probably get excited about him too because he's a well established wide receiver. But when I say something like Aesop Winston, people are like, eh, you know, what I'm saying that leaves a lot to be desired. And, you know, I just feel like a lot of people are really being hard on these wide receivers is because these guys haven't established themselves just yet. And I understand that dynamic where you need a guy that's an established wide receiver on top of just a bunch of other guys. But when I watched the New Orleans Saints team over the past 15, 16 years uh, go out there with guys that weren't household names and the Saints actually turned those guys into household names and they turned those guys into guys that we can actually believe in, I just feel like we are at the doorstep of that type of situation yet again. Uh, when you think about back in the 06 draft, nobody was going crazy that Marcus Colston was going to be the starting wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. This six foot four guy at a hospital who played mostly tight end, but he comes in, he becomes the all time leader in re receiving yards for the New Orleans Saints wide receiver. Uh, Lance Moore, even though he was making some noise, you know, out there, you know, at Tulsa, I mean, that's all good and all fine and dandy and all, but. Nobody really knew who Lance Moore was, but now if you mention Lance Moore among Saints fans, he's one of the most well-respected receivers that they ever had. For the exception of Devery Henderson, you have to admit, nobody what, nobody on the Saints team, as far as the wide receivers were concerned, you were excited about. Not even Robert Meacham, because a lot of us probably wondered, why did the Saints go out here and get Robert Meacham? This is, what the, this is the way that I feel about this. I feel that we need to reserve our judgment until everything just starts to come together. I don't feel like it's a coincidence that Sean Payton didn't go out here to try to find uh, seasoned veterans to come to this team in order to make this team's wide receiver court more respectable. Sean Payton is a little bit more strategic than that. He's a little bit more cerebral than that. And I just feel like if Sean Payton knew that these guys weren't up to the challenge, he would go out here and he would try to find somebody else. I think that we we should have enough confidence in Sean Payton's ability to select certain guys that if he does not go out here and select some of these seasoned veterans, we should be okay with that. But I just think that as, as Saints fans, 
we want this level of comfortability when it comes to a name and i'm not all for the names you know i'm i'm waiting for guys to establish themselves because at the end of the day it's not all about names once upon a time in october of 2018 i started the state of the saints podcast i started the state of the saints podcast i'm just a homegrown new orleanian uh who decided to do a podcast about my favorite team now if you guys didn't put enough faith and hope and confidence in me to give you all you know a, a positive and and great you know and, and good i won't say great but good content you know then i mean where would i be so you know what i'm saying like so you all instilled at that level of trust in me and i was able to build uh you know the state of the saints podcast because of you so i feel like it should be like the same situation give these guys an opportunity to go out there and prove themselves and then we can decide to make that evaluation I don't feel like Sean Payton, honestly, would have done this if he felt those guys went up to the challenge. I feel like you have a collection of young players that you can mold into the image of your system, and they can be players that can be in your system for years to come. And not to mention, you can get that type of production out of these young guys, and you don't have to pay them an arm and a leg as of right now. You have a bunch of guys who are out here trying to establish themselves, and in a process of them establishing themselves and growing as wide receivers, you're actually uh, being on the receiving end of these guys' development, right? And you don't have to pay top dollar in order for you to go out here and try to get a, a big-name wide receiver. So I'm reserving my judgment on these guys, all right? I'm just reserving my judgment on these guys until I actually see it all come together. And some people would say, well – Maybe it'll be a little bit too late, but we only see what's on Sunday. We only see the product that is on the field uh, when it's on television. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes, and we definitely don't see these guys going to practice and what they're showing the coaching staff. So I'm going to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. That's the way I feel about it. I cannot say that these guys are good, good or bad. The only thing I can say is I'm going to reserve my judgment. But thank you all so much for uh, chiming in. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, answer some of your questions here in the chat and also read some of your comments. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with Saints 01. Thank you so much, my friend, for being here once again. He says, our defense is better than we think. Watch. Our defense has confidence and swagger, and it is lit, telling you got to give respect to our defense. Yeah, you know, um, my intro had absolutely nothing to do with my own personal preference of the defense. Like I said, I feel like this defense was coming and has been coming for quite some time. I think if you haven't been paying attention, you probably have, um, you know, already set in your mind that the Saints defense throughout history under Sean Payton has not been good. And sometimes, you know, we can get a little bit complacent in our judgment sometimes as Saints fans. Sometimes we feel like guys can't get over the hump because history showing us that at that position, these guys can't get over the hump defensively the saints can't have not had a top 10 top five defense so therefore they won't have a top five top 10 defense but sometimes we have to kind of change our way of thinking and give these guys the opportunity to develop and if you have been watching saints football as i know many of you have you will see that this defense has been really good and there's been a difference in the saints defense as in years past if you notice man it was a revolving door you know what I'm saying? It was a, just a bunch of expendables when it came to the defensive uh, core 
of the team, right? And the defensive coordinators and also just all the different people that came in to help the Saints defense be legit, right? I mean, you had Spagnola, you had, you know, you had um, Rob Ryan, you know what I'm saying? You had like all these other guys, you know what I'm saying, that came in and it was a revolving door and nobody seemed to be able to fix this defense. And when you had guys that were on the defensive side of the ball and you constantly have changeover at the highest position, which is defensive coordinator, it is going to be hard for a guy to try to establish himself. Here you see the New Orleans Saints with a defensive coordinator they had for quite some time in Dennis Allen. He's able to implement his system and select his guys. And when you have a team that is being built through the draft like the Saints have done over the last four to five years, you have guys that can grow into the system. A guy that understands what Dennis Allen wants Dennis Allen understands what he has in those players and they can grow as such. But when you have situations kind of similar to that of a Alex Smith, when he was out in San Francisco, when he had seven offensive coordinators in seven years, that's a recipe for disaster. And even though you can have all the talent in the world and all the ability that you want, but if you don't have stability at the coordinator position, you will never know what it takes in order for you to get to that top form. This, uh, this defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator probably puts you in a position to succeed, but it may not be what the organization is looking for. And now the next guy comes in and you're back at square one once again, because it's a completely different philosophy uh, philosophy than that person that came in before him. So I think stability is the key for the Saints defense over the last couple of years. And if you have not had an appreciation for the New Orleans Saints defense over the last couple of years, I say, man, you need to take the time out and maybe look at some of the games and watch the advent of this defense as it developed over the last three to four years. Dang, everyone is going live right now. Big Q, now you. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the reason why I'm going live so late is because man, my wife, uh, you know, she had to work and you know, man, all these different cases and stuff like that that's going on right now, man. She, you know, you got this 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 influx of uh, people you know that's going to urgent cares and stuff like that getting checked out so normally she would get off at a certain time she's getting off a little bit later and you know i have to be there with paxton and paxton is at the age now where you can't put him to sleep okay you can't put him to sleep by itself you got to be somewhere in the vicinity and i'm not confident enough to put him in the bed and then be able to do this podcast. I guarantee you about five, 10 minutes into the podcast, y'all hear him screaming, coming down the stairs, trying to be a part of the show. So I want to make sure that everything is settled. And, you know, we got him settled before I actually uh, did the show. So that was the reason for the late start here on the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, you know, normally we'll do it a little bit earlier than when it's being aired right now. Uh, who that? Uh, let's see. What's going on, Rob? Appreciate you being here. D says Kevin White. Yeah, Kevin White, man. I mean, of course, we know who Kevin White is. Uh, some of you probably don't know who he is. But Kevin White, uh, he was drafted back in 2015. He was a seven-pick overall coming out of West Virginia. Had a really good combine. A lot of people thought that he had, like, all the skills and tools to be that next great wide receiver. But, I mean, he just was bit by the injury bug throughout his career. Um, he's been in the league for seven years. He's always got several opportunities. But – I mean, he just constantly gets hurt. I mean, to tell you how crazy his career has been, he was pick seven pick overall, but his career stats is 25 catches, 285 yards, and no touchdowns 
in a regular season. Pro, uh, preseason, he's had a touchdown, but this guy's never recorded a regular season touchdown in his career. I mean, you, you have to say that, you know, I mean, it's no fault of his own. It's just the way that the ball bounced. You have to say his career, if you're looking at it, it, it falls into that of a bust. Now, it's no fault of his own. I mean, it's not the fact that he doesn't want to go out there and contribute. His body just portrays him. And and it, 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 it's, sometimes it's just not your fault. I mean, you think about some of those guys, you know, like you look at a guy, if I'm thinking about the NBA, you think about somebody like Anthony Bennett, right? Anthony Bennett, who was the first pick overall a couple of years ago, went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, he was a bust. Uh, but when you look at somebody like Greg Oden, uh, can't really – say that he was a bust for any fault of his own for the exception of he just had bad knees man and his body betrayed him so it is sam Bowie back in the day you know what i'm saying so that's one of those cases when it comes to kevin white not the fact that he can't play it's just the fact that his body betrayed him and for that you know he hasn't hit the field so it, his career you know has to fall into that bust territory but it's, it's no fault of his own but hopefully he can be able to go out here on the field and and take advantage of the opportunities, man. I think that if uh, Kevin White uh, can stay healthy, uh, I think that the Saints may have something. But the big the big word is if. Uh, he has never proven that he can stay healthy. But I got to respect the fact that he decided to continue to try to achieve his dream. Some people, um, they keep getting bad luck like Kevin White has done throughout his career. They'll probably say to themselves, man, you know what? I made enough money. You know what I'm saying? I was a top 10 pick. You know, I, I should be OK. I'm just going to go ahead and just find me something to do, invest in, you know, what I'm saying some businesses or something like that, be able to take advantage of my money. But this guy continues to want to go out there and prove himself and live his dream. So I have no problem with that at all. I'm wishing him good luck. Uh, you know, as long as you stay healthy. Now, I heard that he's making plays and practice. That's what you want to hear. Uh, but if he can maintain some level of health. Uh, maybe he can make the Saints roster. I mean, he has a he has great upside. He can run still, and he had good hands. You know, I don't know what his hands are like these days, but coming out of West Virginia, he was a damn good receiver. Reason why he was one of the top ten picks. Uh, that Eastside Winston is a beast, low key dark horse. Uh, yeah, he did show some flashes in that Baltimore Raven game. Uh, of course, we know about the thirty-two yard uh, screen pass that he caught uh, late in the second half. Uh, but, you know, he also helped on special teams as well. And that's something that is a plus, especially since we don't know the status of that of a Deontay Harris going into the season. Of course, he still has uh, that DUI that's looming. Of course, we expect for him to serve some type of suspension or get reprimanded uh, in some way, you know what I'm saying, shape or form. Uh, you know, you know, we're expecting that to come down pretty soon. And that also when it comes to Marshawn Lattimore. But. You know, it's mostly because of the wide receiver position. We've seen Esau Winston catch punts and kick returns, so that's something that can keep him around. And not to mention when you had a guy that was also a burner like Jalen McCleskey who was making plays, um, that's somebody now who has a certain skill set similar to that of a Deontay Harris when it comes to the wide receiver game too, stretching the field. So he can make himself, uh, uh, you know, useful, um, useful, uh, when it comes to uh, being on the field, uh, especially if Deontay Harris is out. So we'll see. Uh, the last thing says, this is why we're here. Uh, I would not be concerned about the secondary. Well, you know, uh, surprisingly, in, in years past, uh, you know, we, we've we had these situations where we were concerned more about the secondary than anything else. 
But the secondary hasn't really come up this season, you know, which is a shock. You know what I'm saying? It's a surprise because I, I can't think of a year, especially since I've done the State of the Saints podcast, where we weren't concerned about the secondary. This year, we're not so much concerned about the secondary. Uh, we've seen what Paulson Adebo did in the game. We're hearing all these great reports about Ken Crawley. Uh, you know, we're hearing about, you know, all these different other guys that are stepping up, making plays. And we also know the Saints like to play those three safety sets, which safety is probably one of the deepest positions on the Saints team. You know, if you ask somebody like P.J. Williams and C.J. Garner-Johnson that can play nickel as well as safety sometimes. So the Saints are loaded in the secondary, and that's one of those positions that's the least of our troubles right now. And we went into that Baltimore Raven game expecting maybe, you know, that guy that's supposed to be that number two to get sliced up like Swiss cheese, and that didn't happen. We seen guys making plays, being instinctive, uh, and, and going out there and understanding their assignments and executing. And I think you have to give credit to, you know, Chris Richard in that regard. And I think it's only going to get better when Chris Richard starts to really establish himself as that secondary's coach. And when, when games start to happen and weeks start to go by and guys understand the message and, and he's understanding those guys and he's instilling a level of confidence inside of those guys that they need. So if the Saints defense is starting off at a high level going into training camp, uh, the sky's the limit to where they can be because we all know that the Saints defensively over the last couple of years, their calling card for, for early in the season has been starting very, very late. Okay, that's been a calling card, starting late. Okay, and they start to, uh, you know, gain a little bit momentum around week eight or week nine. But now you're seeing these guys start, you know, at, at their height at the beginning of the season, which is very uncharacteristic little bit of an anomaly, but I can live with that. I know you can too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure nobody out here has any concerns about the defense starting early. Uh, Saints 01 says, I wouldn't be. Uh, we good, man. Our defense is going to be on another level. This year, Quan brings that energy. Yeah, Quan still brings the energy, even in training camp, man. Just the fact that he signed back with the New Orleans Saints uh, was a, a burst of energy uh, for the locker room. This guy brings a level of energy that very few players can bring. And you can tell that that the, the teammates of him, you know, these guys, they really care about Quan Alexander, especially Demario Davis. I mean, they feed off each other. You know, I, I tell people from time to time when I was in college, uh, I majored in communication, but I minored in theater. And um, every now and then, you know, we'll have these stage plays that I was fortunate enough to be a part of. And, you know, one thing that our director would tell us is about synergy. It's about delivering your lines and somebody will deliver their lines with enthusiasm, which would cause the person that is supposed to deliver the lines afterwards to match that level of energy that that person delivered their lines. And, you know what I'm saying? And, and they start to build what they call synergy, right? You know what I'm saying? The confrontation, if it's a confrontation, for example. You know what I'm saying? If somebody comes up here, this person tries to match them or go a little bit a notch higher than what that person actually did. And that is what you have in the linebacking room right now. You have Demario Davis, who's already a fire starter. And then you have uh, Quan Alexander, who's a fire starter, but also can serve as kerosene to Demario Davis fire to help him build up and vice versa. And when you have that, you have a combustible element. You have two guys that can fly all over the field, that can be a great dynamic duo, a great tag team, 
and something that the Saints need and have not had in quite some time. So you have to be happy that Quan Alexander decided to come back with the Saints. I'm happy that he's almost at 100%. He's ahead of schedule. He's been practicing. He's been making plays in practice, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, nobody really had an issue with Quan Alexander as far as him being a great linebacker. The only issue is he's been hurt, you know, so if he stays healthy, he's one of the best linebackers in football. Jordan Ross says, oh, we should have kept Emmanuel, though. Yeah, I mean, it should have kept Emmanuel Sanders, but at the same time, you couldn't afford him. I mean, you got to live and let go, right? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's just the way the ball bounces. There's so many things that you wish that you can keep, but you can't keep them, right? I mean, it was a money issue. There's a salary cap. So you have to do what's in the best interest of your team. You have to be able to go out here and find the guys that make your team go. You don't want to get rid of your, the nucleus, uh, the, the, the young nucleus of your team. You don't want to get rid of those guys. You don't want to get rid of the guys that can be, uh, you know, those cornerstone players for years to come for a guy that's about 33, 34 years old. And yes, he is a great route runner. And yes, he has good hands. And yes, he is a good leader. And yes, I feel like he's going to have a career in television because he knows what to say and he knows what to do and all these different type of uh, press, uh, you know, interviews and stuff like that. But I would take youth over a seasoned veteran any day, you know what I'm saying? Especially those that are in their 30s. Because when you have a guy that's in their youth and you see a lot of promise, that's a person that can take your team to the next level. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, as much as I like him, I mean, he's only going to be in a league, give or take, next three or four years. And then after that, he's going to transition to whatever he's going to do with life outside of football. Versus a guy that you have to keep around like Ramchek, who's still in his early 20s, still have a lot to give. And in building up a Hall of Fame resume, you have Marcus Williams, who's established himself as one of the best safeties in football. You got Marshawn Lattimore, who's giving you production at the cornerback position that you've probably never seen in your franchise's history. You got to be able to keep those guys around. And sometimes uh, you have to uh, rob Peter to pay Paul. I mean, I know y'all heard that saying before, right? You got to rob Peter to pay Paul sometimes. So sometimes you got to get rid of some of those uh, really good players in order for you to keep your young players that are going to give your team uh, legitimacy for years to come. So it was unfortunate that they got rid of them, but it, it had to be done. All right. It, it was a tough decision. It was a tough decision, man. It's almost like, you know, for all my dog lovers out there, it's like, you know, you had your dog 13, 14 years and, you know, you you find, you know what I'm saying? You, you have to make this decision about possibly putting your dog down because you notice that it's in pain. You don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's going to hurt you to do it. But at the same time, it, it's necessary. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want that, that dog to hurt anymore. I mean, I've been, you know what I'm saying, through that, you know what I'm saying, with experience with, you know, a dog you know what i'm saying in the past so i'm pretty sure a lot of people probably can attest to that you know sometimes you have to be able to you got to let the things go even though you know it, it can be some very very tough decisions uh that you have to make but you have to make that decision for the betterment uh of, of the situation and and the situation was you got to pay these young players i'm gonna stroll down a little bit folks uh, a lot was said so i'm gonna go ahead and stroll down to Keen Arthur. Keen Arthur says, uh, TJ, are you looking at any corners or do you think Jawan Johnson can still try and start a job uh, with how he's playing? No, no, I don't think he can steal his job, Keen Arthur. Uh, 
if you think that uh and i'm not saying you're saying this but there's anybody that may have that that idea um if you think that Jawan Johnson can steal Adam Troutman's job, look no further than that Tony Jones touchdown. Uh, that Tony Jones touchdown does not happen without Adam Troutman blocking. You know what I'm saying? And, and this guy had – the way that this guy has developed as a blocker from when he first got drafted out of Dayton last last season to where he is now, I can guarantee you that uh, Jawan Johnson is not going to take his job because Ken Arthur – uh, I get the whole passing dynamic. Um, I'm pretty sure Jawan Johnson, there'll be some packages lined up for him in order for him to make plays. But when you have that number one tight end, his you, you want that number one tight end uh, to be able to block. And Adam Trauman, not only can he catch the football in space, uh, but he can also block better than some of the rest right now. You know what I'm saying? This guy is on a trajectory to be like one of those uh, all around tight ends that we've uh, known and grown to respect like the Gronks uh, in the George Kittles of the world. So I don't think that he's going to take a job, but Jawan Johnson is definitely, uh, you know, creating a package for himself uh, in the regular season. I can tell you that right now. Okay. Uh, also, Keen Arthur says, TJ, what small details and intangibles are you looking for for over the course of our last two preseason games? Uh, I'm looking for, uh, number one, ball security. I think that anything else that we had on our minds has to go out of the window. I mean, six turnovers is unacceptable. So I'm looking for ball security, number one, Keen Arthur. Uh, number two, I'm looking for other some guys that stepped up in game one uh, to take it to the next level in game two. And hopefully uh, we can see our number one pick and number two pick on the, on the field with uh, Peyton Turner and Pete Werner. You know what I'm saying? These two guys – actually didn't get opportunity to play last week so it would be interesting to see if they can get out there and get a little bit of experience you know get get an idea of the speed of the nfl before the regular season starts because i don't expect for either neither one of those guys to play in game three if you're going to see warner and turner you're probably going to be seeing them in his second game which i feel like will serve as a little bit of a dress rehearsal you'll probably see some guys that are going to start going into the regular season play a little bit longer for the you know for the exception or if they just come out there and looking like Marcus Callaway did uh, on that first drive I think that the Saints did the right thing they're like okay man this man has 60 some odd yards uh, coming out there's nothing else need to be seen but for the most part you're probably going to see some guys go a little bit longer in order for them to work on uh, you know some of the uh, conditioning Dalton says all I gotta say is good luck Kevin White yeah I mean look I mean, I, I want to see this guy, you know, achieve his dream. You know, I mean, I, I I understand how that can feel. Like when you want to do something, you have a dream, you aspire to do something, and there are things that are prohibiting you from making your dream a reality. I know I, how much that can hurt. So I don't wish, wish that on anybody. You know, I don't take pleasure in, in saying that the guy is a bust. I don't take pleasure in it. You know, but I'm just saying the, if you want to uh, look at it, uh, from a certain standpoint, how we evaluate bus, we don't look at, well, you know, for the exception, if a guy gets hurt, no, they still consider this guy as a bus, regardless if a person gets hurt or not. They say, well, that, that guy was a failure. They don't call him a failure in life, but as far as a selection, they call them a failure or a bust. Okay. He's not a failure at life because to me, you know what I'm saying? It seems like he got everything uh, straight, but when it comes to, 
where he was drafted, what his expectations were, and him not being able to live up to expectations. I mean, what what do you call it? You call it a bust. Okay, but it, it, once again, it's not like some of these other guys where you pick early and they just, uh, you know, just don't, you know, pan out. I mean, it's just the fact that he's gotten hurt. So we haven't seen what he can actually do. Sean likes something in him uh, to try him uh, to give him a try. Um, Sean Payton has always been a prove it coach, a prove, you know what I'm saying? A proven wrong coach. He's always been that way. He's always been that guy. You know, I always say, <laughs> I say that uh, Sean Payton uh, reminds me of uh, my grandmother, uh, you know, when it comes to my uh, going to garage sales. Like, funny story, my grandmother, uh, every Saturday, uh, she used to get us up and uh, she used to go to the corner store, get a 50 cent newspaper and uh, she'd get the classifiers and she'll go out from about seven o'clock in the morning to about 530 in the evening and she'll go to different garage sales. And she'll go through these garage sales and she'll just select all these different items and stuff like that. And <laughs> it is it, funny because sometimes I would have the opportunity to stay home from one of these garage sales. And my grandfather see her riding down the street uh, in a van be full of just this stuff that he feels like they don't need. Right. <laughs> but and then when he opens the door, I mean, it's just a, a just a, a whole bunch of stuff to a point where we open the door, stuff just falls out. And he just shakes his head like he normally does, you know, when he just, you know, can't believe what he's uh, witnessing. And he'll ask my grandmother, he'll be like, what you going to do with this? What we need with this? What we need with this? And she always has an answer. Well, we can put this in the front room or we can put this in a den or we can put this in our room or we can, you know, like she always had an answer for it. So I feel like Sean Payton is kind of similar to the mindset of my grandmother, you know, I mean, he always tries to find, you know, that that one thing, you know, what I'm saying that they can have some use for when guys, you know, in the league probably give up on a project. He feels like he can do something with them because I guess that helps him add to his genius and add to his mystique. So when people look at him, uh, you know, as a coach and maybe when they're evaluating him, when you know Hall of Fame committee comes around, when he decides to hang it up, they'll take that into account. But Sean Payton always has been one of those guys that garage sale shops for these players that nobody seems to know what to do with them, and he finds a place for them. Case in point, Taysom Hill, right? You know what I'm saying? He found a lane for Taysom Hill. Now every team is trying to find that dual-threat quarterback that can line up that quarterback and also run between the tackles and catch and do all these different things uh, like uh, Taysom Hill can do. I mean, make no mistake about it. If it wasn't for Taysom Hill, Tim Tebow wouldn't have had no opportunity to try to make the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I know he didn't make it, but I don't think that if Taysom Hill didn't exist in the league, nobody would raise their eyebrows and say, man, maybe we can do this with Tim. I I mean, Sean Payton has a knack for that thing, you know? I mean, he he can garage sale shop with the best of them. Uh, Peter, thank you very much for $2 says, why I'm always getting robbed. <laughs> Rob Paul next time. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Peter, for the $2. I really do appreciate that. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know why they always robbing you, man. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know. Chemo says uh, we just may see a redo of the 2017 starting corners. Uh, yeah, you might. You might. Depends on if those guys want it or not. Uh, what up, TJ? What is the biggest concern as of right now, and what do we need to do most before week one? 
Uh, my biggest concern right now is just consistency holding on to the football. I, I mentioned that before with Keen Arthur. That's that's just the biggest thing right now because it's the most alarming thing right now. And, and, and you're not going to win games if you're turning the ball over. We can talk about X's and O's. We can talk about Willie's and Joe's all day long. But if there's no ball security, I mean, this is absolutely pointless. No matter how good the defense plays, no matter how many turnovers and interceptions they get to give the ball back to the offense, if these guys can't hold on to the football and they're turning over the ball at an alarming rate, the Saints ain't going to win nothing. So it's hard for me to think about anything else other than ball security. Now, if I didn't see ball security and that wasn't the issue in preseason game one, uh, I would probably say that, you know, maybe the quarterback position consistency there, you know, like guys uh, making reads, getting the ball out their hands fast, uh, you know, starting fast, consistently uh, making plays down the field, making the right decisions. I mean, you, you got to say that the quarterback position, uh, you know, I'm not saying that these guys can't play it, but there are some things that you need when you're, when you're playing a quarterback position and that's timing. And that's something that needs to get worked on uh, as well. The last thing says I call that the Denzel Washington effect. Um, I'm not sh- I'm not sure exactly uh, what you mean by that uh, last thing. Um, I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you were talking to somebody or talking to me, but please uh, elaborate on that. Uh, I think Adebo is going to end up having a good season, no matter how uh, much playing time he gets. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot of playing time, and I-, I really think that the New Orleans Saints want this situation to happen. They didn't want to just give him the job because they weren't sure if he would be able to do it. But they felt like he had, well, I won't say they don't think that he could do it because they wouldn't have drafted him. I would like to think so. But they wanted him to prove to them that he wanted it. That's a better way of putting it. So it's like, okay, we're going to give you all the opportunities in order for you to become this starter, but you have to go out there and perform. And he has done everything that's been asked of him and more. And he's a really smart football player. And when you're a really smart football player and you're really athletic and talented, everything else is just going to kind of fall into place. So we've seen little nuances of success and things that he can build on in game number one. Now, you have to continue to do this on a consistent basis. And, of course, when you're dealing with rookies, you have to deal with fatigue. You're coming from the Pac-12 where they play about 12 games a season. You're going from that to playing 16. So around, you know, week 12, 13, 14, you start to see rookies kind of hit that wall because, you know, they're not used to playing as much. So, you know, you got to be consistent. You got to be consistent. Uh, Dalton says, rest in peace, uh, Luke Siegel. Yeah, rest in peace to the young 15-year-old man. He lost uh, his life uh, earlier uh, today. Uh, complications of uh, COVID and pneumonia. Uh, once again, he was 15 years old. Uh, Luke, I think he, he got into a uh, golf cart accident uh, a couple years ago. I think he was maybe nine years old, and uh, it, it caused him to uh, be wheelchair bound. Um, you know, and the the Saints uh, organization kind of wrapped their arms around him, and you know, Drew Brees and so many other Saints players like they kind of rallied around him. Uh, unfortunately, he was hospitalized uh, a couple of days ago, and on today uh, he passed away. So I want to say rest in peace uh, to him. Uh, heart and prayers go out to his family, uh, you know, and 
it's so unfortunate that situations like that happen, especially from a guy who's all, you know, a young kid who was already a hero surviving uh, what he endured at the age of nine and, uh, you know, continue to battle and show fight and grit. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it happened and just want to say rest in peace to him. And uh, I know the who that nation and the Saints organization going to always remember. Him. So rest in peace, Luke. Greg says uh, you're a thousand percent right, TJ. Robert says Tony Jones Jr. Can he play special teams? Um, pretty sure he can. Pretty sure he can, and, and I'm pretty sure he's probably going to end up doing it. You know, probably every now and then. If Dennis leaves, can Chris come in a uh, in to scoop the defensive coordinator job? Yes, uh, last thing. Yeah, that's yes, 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 he can. And and to be honest with you, I feel like that it had a lot to do with the hiring of Chris Richard. I think that it, it's not a coincidence. Uh, you have to look at, you got to look at the pieces that were in place, right? So before the Philadelphia Eagles uh, decided to go in another direction with the head coaching position, Dennis Allen actually interviewed for that job. I don't know if people remember that or not, but with success uh, come job opportunities for your staff. We see Joe Lombardi no longer with the Saints. He's with the with the Chargers. We see Dan Campbell, who's the new head coach of Detroit Lions. He has Aaron Aaron Glenn with them. Uh, Ryan Nielsen was about to be the defensive coordinator at LSU before Sean Payton decided to uh, throw a monkey wrench into those plans. So with success, it comes a little bit of turnover. So I think with the hiring of uh, Chris Richard, it had a lot to do with Dennis Allen possibly transitioning to uh, the head coaching position, getting another opportunity. So if something were to happen, the Saints can kind of just slide Chris Richard into that position they know that Chris Richard has experience. Him being with the Dallas Cowboys along with Rob Marinelli. A lot of people gave Chris Richard a lot of the credit uh, for the turnaround of the Dallas Cowboys defense, for the way that Jalen Smith and Lathan Vanderash were playing, and also with the secondary, how they were playing, uh, you know, playing lights out defense despite the offense, you know, not being up to snuff. They gave a lot of credit to Chris Richard and not Rob Marinelli. So if the Saints were to lose Dennis Allen, Chris Richard would be a a top candidate. He would be the perfect fit to be that defensive coordinator. And then you'll have a guy that's already in-house. And that's what a lot of uh, teams feel like they 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 want to do. They want to mold those young coaches in order to take over in case somebody else leaves. We've seen it with Mike Hodges when Mike Nolan got the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator in Dallas. We've seen Mike Hodges just step up and become, you know, that – you know, that linebacker coach, and he's been doing an outstanding job. And uh, the linebackers haven't missed a beat. So that's exactly what you want. You want to be able to promote within because guys already understand the culture. They already understand the message. And you don't have to get away from that message because the person that you hired already know what the message is all about. Uh, Jamarcus says, uh, it was just a thought. We don't have to get this, uh, but why not take a look? He can try out. Well, look, I would love to see Dez Bryant uh, be a part of the Saints, and I've said this before. I think I said this earlier on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. But here's the thing, man. If the Saints don't feel like they have an issue at wide receiver, why make one, right? And I understand about them signing Kevin White, but, I mean, do anybody really expect Kevin White to make the team? Like, I'm just being serious. If Kevin White makes the team – Congratulations to him, but it's not like the Saints were just so hella desperate that they need wide receiver help. 
And don't say because, oh, Lampman wasn't the answer. I mean, that, chances that Lampman was going to be in a part of the wide receiver rotation, I have to say it would be slim to none. Okay, so this is a guy who is just stepping in because Lampman was an absolute train wreck, and he's being a place filler. And if he ends up making a team, you get yourself a, a you know a productive receiver for you know little to nothing, and uh, you don't have to worry about going out here getting a guy that's going to get the veteran minimum because you have to keep in mind Des Bryant is is going to get a certain amount of money, and we all know that the Saints are trying to save a little bit of that skrilla. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, if I'm a if I'm a a GM. If I'm, uh, you know, a person that's embedded into an organization, and I'm trying to make some moves. I am going to go with a younger guy that gives me little risk over a guy who, you know, is a seasoned veteran. Because you you also have to take into account too, man. Des Bryant isn't like, you know, just some random dude on the street. You know, what I'm saying you got to give this guy a certain level of respect. You know, I know like we like to uh, treat players when they don't feel like they, when we feel like they don't have it anymore at chewed up pieces of gum that lost their flavor. I know we like to do that, but let's get this guy a little bit of respect, man. This guy was one of the best uh, wide receivers in the league at, at the time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He was extremely productive, one of the best Dallas Cowboys of all time. And also, man, it's, I mean, dude just deserves respect, man. I don't feel like he just needs to be one of those guys where you're like, man, come on, man. I, I feel like he deserves better than that. So if you feel like this guy isn't going to have a true opportunity excuse me to be in part of that starting rotation then yeah you know, why 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 even ask this man to come down uh do you think the saints should trade for brandon cooks i haven't seen anything that that i feel the saints need to uh trade brandon cooks for you know at the wide receiver position i once again i don't know if you're just joining the show i don't know if you checked out the beginning of the opening dialogue here on the state of the saints podcast but I said I'm reserving my judgment until I actually see these guys in real time. I think the only thing that's separating us from really giving these guys the opportunity is the fact that we don't recognize these guys. They're a bunch in they're a bunch of in our eyes, a bunch of no name, unproven players, and that scares the hell out of us. And a person that actually has a name would give us a little bit more comfort than a person that doesn't. So I like Brandon Cooks a lot. I did not stop liking him because he don't play for the Saints anymore. He was extremely productive when he was here. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he had some concussions throughout his career. Would I like to see him back with the New Orleans Saints? Yes. Do I feel like he would be uh, be a factor with the Saints? Absolutely. Uh, but I don't feel like at this particular point that the Saints need to go out and get Brandon Cooks. I just feel like uh, people want the Saints to be more desperate uh, than they feel they need to be. Okay, I think that just because we don't understand or uh, don't recognize these players, we expect the Saints to be desperate because of that. That's not good enough. Okay, once again, we don't know the ins and the outs. We don't see these guys going out there performing every single day at practice. We don't see these guys executing. We don't see how these guys are students inside of the classroom. You know, when they're doing these PowerPoint presentation and they're going over plays and X's and O's. We don't see those things, okay? What we see is a name on the back of the jersey that we don't recognize. So let's give these guys an opportunity before we start talking about trading for this guy, signing this guy, you know? Chris says, yeah, they were looking sloppy with those turnovers. They kill you. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, more separation from wide outs to TJ. Uh, I, I have to say I, I kind of disagree with that, Derek. Um, I, I've seen some guys running wide open, okay? I mean, Ty Montgomery, I mean, the pass that Jameis Winston threw to him, he got separation. Uh, even with Lil Jordan Humphreys, uh, you know, saying so he got separation from uh, the cornerback. Uh, Jameis is kind of, you know, threw it a little bit short because he, re- you know, that was a smart play. Believe it or not, that was a smart play by Jameis Winston. By throwing it short, uh, he actually was giving little Jordan Humphreys a chance to catch the ball 50-50 because if he would have sailed it over the head of little Jordan Humphreys, there was a strong chance that two things would have happened. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey would no longer be with us because he would have got depleted or it would have been an interception by the safety, you know, picking it off, you know what I'm saying? Kind of just robbing it out of the air. So it was a smart pass by Jameis Winston. He expected little Jordan Humphreys, who is 6'4 and 225 pounds to come down with the football. But for the most part, Lil' Jordan Humphreys was open. The opening drive uh, with Marquez Callaway. I mean, he had 61 yards on that opening drive. So he was getting open. You've seen guys getting separation. So for us to say, oh, man, these guys aren't getting separation, I don't say, I don't think that that's true. These guys are getting separation because if they didn't, uh, then how are these guys making such long plays? I mean, we've seen Jawan Johnson make a play, right? You know what I'm saying? We've seen Esau Winston make a play. So these guys are getting open. They're finding ways to get behind the defense. So I don't think that this is an issue. And that's all you actually want uh, as a quarterback and as a fan for the wide receivers to get open. And they have, you know. So I just think that if you're looking at it from that particular perspective, these guys are doing their jobs. But if you're looking at it from a name perspective and their name isn't, you know, you're like striking any type of fear into you. That's not a good enough reason not to want these guys uh, on your team. You know, I say give them a chance. I haven't seen anything that is just alarming for the exception of Lampman, which they they cut, you know, that I can just really, truly say uh, is, uh, you know, alarming to me that these guys can't do a good job. Uh, but right now, I want to take a moment to thank the fine folks at Manscaped manscaped.com is the official sponsor of the state of the saints podcast go to manscaped.com use the promo code state of saints you will save 20 percent off of your purchase that's 20 percent off of all manscaped items once again manscaped.com use the promo code state of saints that's all one word all lowercase letters once again thank you manscaped for being an official sponsor over two million men worldwide have chosen has chosen manscaped.com for all of their male grooming needs. Now back to the comments. Uh, Denzel Washington effect for acting. Oh, <laughs> TJ, is there any situation where Lattimore becomes expendable? Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I don't think that. I don't think that he he is expendable in no way, shape, or form. Like, uh, if you get rid of him, then you will really have some issues. Uh, the, the level of comfort that the Saints have because Marshawn Lattimore is on opposite side of whoever they decide to put uh, on on the right or the left of him, uh, you know, is a testament to what they feel about Marshawn Lattimore. I like him a lot. I got a lot of respect for Marshawn Lattimore, and you should too. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has played really good for the New Orleans Saints. It's to a point where we're actually having this conversation which to me is a tad bit blasphemous, especially since we've seen some absolute hot garbage come through this organization and play in the secondary over the last decade. I mean, these guys couldn't cover with a bed sheet, okay? 
I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious right now. Like these guys were terrible. I mean, they would get beat. It was almost like to a point, like if you were watching the Saints game, right? And you know how sometimes when a ball goes deep and a cameraman just kind of holds the camera there just for a second on a quarterback so it can, you know, leave a little intrigue. So when he slides it down the field, it was like when you see that ball leaves that quarterback's hand, you know, on the opposite team, and you see that camera just going down the field slowly. You're like, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you just expected, like, the worst thing in the world to happen. And nine times out of ten, it actually did. So for the fact that I can actually be at ease when the camera goes downfield and I can know for a fact that there's a possibility the ball can get broken up, I think it has a lot to do with uh, Marshawn Lattimore being out there. So I don't feel like there's no way in the world he is expendable. Okay, I just think that the Saints value him too much and they want him uh, to be able to be on that side to hold it down while they decide to figure what's going on on the opposite side. It's only fitting Kamara uh, got a serial as a king, typical Leo. (laughs) Oh, man, uh, Roderick. uh, Yeah, man. uh, Yeah, Alvin Kamara got his own serial, man. I mean, shouts out to him, man. Alvin Kamara is out here, man making moves, uh, doing things outside of football, understand that his football life only going to last for so long. And he's uh, establishing himself as an entrepreneur, man. So shouts out to him. Uh, no excited about it, uh, his serial. Um, I might uh, pick up some to support it, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I wish him all the success this season, man, because we definitely going to need him. Uh, three running backs like our Super Bowl season, like 49 a Super Bowl appearance a few years ago. Yeah, um, that is a plus uh, when you have uh, some running backs, uh, when you commit to the run. And also when you have a a quarterback that can get the ball down the field to keep the defense honest. So the Saints have all of that right now. So if they can get put it all together, I think they'll be a very formidable team. Uh, How many running backs will we keep? I think we're going to keep four of them. Uh, If I'm a betting man. Um, I'm saying they're going to keep Alvin Kabara, of course. Uh, Latavius Murray is still going to be here. Uh, they're going to keep Tony Jones, and they're going to keep Keith Washington uh, because – not Keith Washington, Dwayne Washington. Shouts out to my boy Keith Washington, man. I hope he's, uh, he has a speedy recovery. But, yeah, Dwayne Washington because he plays special teams. Uh, yep, I remember that. I guess, Dalton, this is a point where we're talking about uh, with Luke, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these says, honestly, I just hope well, we can get back to the high-powered offense we used to have. We should be able now uh, that we have a quarterback that can push the ball down the field. Uh, it, it's not just about pushing the ball down the field. You know what I'm saying? It's about making the right reads down the field as well. I think that sometimes we forget about how accurate <laughs> Drew Brees was when it comes to throwing the ball down the field to the receivers. I mean, it, it was a thing of beauty uh, when he was in his prime. Uh, but I mean, it's not just about getting the ball downfield. If that was the case, I mean, Jamarcus Russell can get the ball downfield. Uh, Chris Redman can get the ball down the field. Uh, Kyle Bowler can get the ball down the field. Jeff George can get the ball down the field. You know what I'm saying? But can you get the ball down the field to your receiver or your tight end or your running back? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it takes more than just getting the ball down the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, a deep ball don't look as pretty when it don't connect with your receiver, right? That's all I'm saying. 
Chosen says, uh, who that family? What's going on, Chosen? Appreciate you being here. Uh, D says, did Taysom even quarterback in college? He looked uh, new to the concept. Uh, <laughs> D, yes, he played quarterback in college, man. Come on, man. Don't do that, man, like that. Yeah, he played at BYU. Uh, unfortunately, he had uh, season-ending injuries every year he was in college, okay? But he did go to a college where they ran an option a lot, justifiably so. I mean, because Taysom Hill, I mean, what we see right now is, you know, what he was when he was in college. You know what I'm saying? He was a guy uh, that was dynamic, that was explosive, and for a short period of time before he was injured, uh, he was a Heisman Trophy candidate. So, you know, I mean, it, it's different on a pro level, especially like when you're coming from a school where it runs the option, man. I mean, it, it'll be a transition for anybody. You know, that that's like – you know, Scott Frost, uh, who is the head coach now, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't remember what school he's at. I mean, I know he was at UCF. I think he left in, I want to say he went to Wisconsin or Nebraska or something. I, he may be at Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. I think he went back to his old college. But Scott Frost uh, was a beast in college. I mean, when it came to running that option, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Scott Frost in the National Football League, you think you're going to be running a Veer? Eh, nah. I mean, I seen Scott Frost run a 99-yard touchdown off of Veer. You ain't doing that in the NFL, okay? So it's a little bit of a transition. That's why teams mostly be trying to look for quarterbacks that's in a pro style that that has run uh, a little bit of a pro style offense. Uh, the spread offense is starting to uh, kind of make its way into the National Football League, so they're not really holding that against uh, quarterbacks anymore. So that means that Danny Wolf will probably would have had a place in the National Football League, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, it just it just the, the the type of offense that he played, man. It's a hell of a transition to make when you come from a veer running an option uh, to you know being on the center and having to go through your reads. It's, it's a is a different type of beast. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, Taysom got them legs uh, that big uh, can run. Yeah, he definitely can run. Lattimore, uh, we put Fred Thomas on the other side and do what? <laughs> and do what? What are we gonna do with him? I know you ain't talking about playing cornerback. Uh, you must, you must mean on on the other side, uh, you know, on a, on a, on the other sideline or something like that. Maybe in the stands because Fred Thomas don't deserve to be nowhere near football field the way that boy played for the Saints. Man, you talk about a waste of money. You talking about smoked turkey? You talk about burnt like a biscuit and smoked like brisket? I mean, this guy was just absolutely hot garbage. And I, I mean, anybody that thinks that Fred Thomas was any good i have to say man uh i question your <laughs> i question your football knowledge because that guy got beat like a persian rug play after play and the way that he wore them socks just bothered me because he had his socks all the way up to to his thighs like he was out here like he was about that life if you have high socks on if you're new to the state of saints podcast we have something here called high sock energy right and I, I, it comes from guys who were really good cornerbacks who wore high socks. Darrell Reeves wore high socks. Deion Sanders wore high socks. You deserve, you earned the right to wore, wear high socks, okay? If you're wearing high socks and you're not balling, it's a, it's a, a flagrant foul, okay? It's like malice in a palace, all right? That's what it's like. And Fred Thomas was a habitual, a habitual flagrant of fouler consistently on Sunday, wearing his socks high only to get smoked, 
All right. So Fred Thomas don't deserve to be nowhere near football field anymore. Um, wasting money. Uh, one of the biggest train robbers in history. Okay. Yosemite Sam had absolutely nothing on Fred Thomas when it came to robbing because he stole the Saints money because they got very little to no production out of Fred Thomas. And I think the, the, the whole crescendo of the Fred Thomas experience happened in the 2006 NFC Championship game when he was uh, going up against Bernard Berrien. And Bernard Berrien in the snow uh, slipped on the ground, landed on his back. Fred Thomas miscalculated the jump and that didn't bat the ball away when Rex Grossman, who throws punts, by the way, kind of similar to that, how we joke around with Taysom, uh, he threw a punt in the air, and this guy still miscalculated it. But Noah Berrien caught the ball on his back and rolled backwards into the end zone. And that, my friends, is when I realized that Fred Thomas needed to get the hell up out of here, and I think Sean Payton did too. Chris says, what about the Saints had the Billy Joes? Oh, yeah, that was terrible. That was awful. That, that, that was absolutely awful. Trash. Uh, John says, I think our D-line is going to show up this year. Well, they're going to need to. They're going to need to, man. We're going to need that defensive line to step up and make them plays, man. We're going to need it. Uh, like I said, uh, no symptoms yet, hopefully. Not any. At all, thanks for the support. I'm young. They are young. Hopefully, we can just get through this. Uh, with ease by the way i'm vaccinated yeah man i mean vaccination is just you know i mean we just got to be real man i know this is the stuff that they don't want you to know uh i mean just because you vaccinated don't mean that you can't catch uh covid19 okay but that's with anything you know that's with the flu uh that's with pneumonia if you take shots for a flu or pneumonia there's still a possibility you can catch the flu because there's different strands of it i learned that from my wife okay no, I ain't trying to act like I know everything. I learned that from my wife, okay? If this was a couple months ago, I probably wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Probably wouldn't be telling you this right now. But there are different strands of different types of sicknesses. So if they don't compensate in that vaccine for a certain type of sickness, you'll get it, you know? I mean, there's different variations of it. So moving on. Trey Quine uh, needs to step up Lil Jordan. Uh, uh, Lil Jordan Humphreys Callaway, we can do it. Mike T, come back, we ready. Yeah, Trey Quine needs to uh, step up. I think they know what they have in Trey Quine. That's why they're kind of holding them back and trying to make sure that they don't try to push them onto the field because they're going to need them, you know. And, I mean, Trey Quine know the system. He's been here since he got drafted. Uh, that's what been on the other side besides Jack Rabbit. Fred was horrible. That's an understatement. Uh, what about Ashley Ambrose? Ashley Ambrose, uh, definitely uh, best years were in Atlanta. No doubt about that. But um, still wasn't as bad as Fred Thomas. Fred Thomas was trash, TJ. I don't want to disrespect the trash. Uh, only if they are moving freely around. Otherwise, no other BS. Fred Thomas. Oh, Lord. Uh, I love when athletes wear high socks. I love uniforms. Well, I like when they wear high socks, too, but when they can back it up, okay? Do not wear high socks if you can't play football. If you're not out there being among the best in your, at your position, pull your socks down, okay? You cannot wear high socks, okay? You should go out there barefoot, all right? You, you remember when uh, Marcus Peters was out there getting roasted 
you know what I'm saying? A couple, I want to say a couple years ago, this probably was the same game where he came into the stands. He was having a rough outing, but he started that game off. He had high socks. And even Marcus Peters knew that he didn't deserve to be wearing socks that day. So <laughs> for the first time, I think I see Marcus Peters. It was the first time I actually really seen a football player actually do this in a game. He had on absolutely no socks. The only thing he had on was the black leggings for the Baltimore Ravens uniform. And that, my friends, what you need to do. Take your socks off. When you know you're not living up to the high sock moniker, take them off, okay? He was willing to take the five to save the the, the credibility of what high socks are all about. That's all I'm saying. I mean... 2006 championship game murdered me with Fred. Yeah, it was off. Horrible. Guy couldn't stop traffic. Uh, do you think Taysom can lock up a number one receiver? With what? Some keys or some handcuffs? Uh, maybe, you know, if he was uh, Sheriff Andy Taylor in the town of Mayberry, yeah, he could lock him up. But if you're talking about <laughs> actual NFL, no. Not, not just no. Not just any no. Not just, not just some type of no. I think we have to dust this off. We gotta say, hell no, to the no, 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 hell to the no. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, no. Uh, he caught it with his feet. Man, that was horrible. That was awful, bro. You lying, man? I promise you, I ain't lying. Go check, go check out the highlights. My memory of Fred Thomas is him three to five yards away. Uh, behind receiver man you ever like see like um you ever see this dude was like man you would think that fred thomas was the referee you know i like the referee and stuff like that the referees you know i mean look they had their one referee that was right there running stride for stride with their wide receiver but nine times out of ten more times than not the referees ain't gonna be able to run uh right next to uh you know the player Fred Thomas looked like a referee on some of them plays. He, I mean, that's how bad he used to get beat. 20, 30 yards, okay? I mean, if you're a professional, there's nowhere in the world you should be getting beat by 20 yards, okay? 10 yards is a stretch. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, if you're at college, yeah, because nine times out of 10, you know, you might be going up against a guy who's probably going to be doing your taxes in a couple years, okay? He probably just playing football they played for that uh you know that that accountant uh scholar you know that accounting degree that he's trying to get all right so i can understand that but when you're playing professional football there's no way in the world you should be getting beat like that no no way no way i work at jsu see them guys every day yeah man shouts out to jsu shouts out to my alma mater man holding it down out there 1400 jr lynch street jackson mississippi by the way uh, let's see. The Saints are a good team regardless of their receiver situation. I think uh, y'all go. Yeah, I think they'll be okay, man. I just think that they just need some time to kind of gel and develop a level of chemistry. But I like the camaraderie. I like how these young guys are uh, embracing one another and they're playing for one another. And if you have that on your team, you already are a winner, in my opinion, because everything else is going to kind of fall into place. Uh, do you think we're going to trade for a veteran corner? Or did you see enough from Debo, uh, Debo uh, where he can be that guy? I was impressed with him because he hasn't played in almost two years, uh, didn't miss a beat. Uh, that's a good point right there. And, you know, 
when you start to see these guys playing real time, uh, it kind of question, do you need to go out here and make some of these decisions? Look, the, 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 the development of Paulson Adebo and his newfound resurgence of Ken Crawley is working in the Saints' favor. Like, make no mistake about it. If you can get this production from guys that are already in the locker room and you don't have to go out here and spend any unnecessary money and you can use that money to go to a position that is really shown that it needs somebody to come in to give that position a shot in the arm, then you're winning. So if Paulson Adebo playing not only in practice and showing promise, but playing in a real game and showing that same type of promise, then you have yourself something, ladies and gentlemen. Who that nation? I mean, that's what you want, right? You know, like how many times have, I, I mean, I'm, I can't be the only person that has done this. You ever like thought that you had to go out to the store to get something and you're thinking about the money that you're going to spend. Then all of a sudden you're in your garage or you're in your room and all of a sudden you, you know what I'm saying? You're moving some things around and you actually forget that you actually bought an item similar to that of what you actually need and you're like who boy because man it was about to cost me some money or who boy man i thought i was gonna have to go all the way to this store and you know like it, it saves you time you know what i'm saying it saves you energy so for them to get this production from guys in house is a plus that's what you want man when you start to hit like that's why Members of the Who That Nation, I just don't understand, like, why are we trying to poke holes into the reporters' commentary and their and their reports on players? If they're telling you they had a hell of a day, you should be happy. Not, oh, well, they, they went up against this dude, or, well, they, they played against them. No, 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 no. What the Saints did in week one of preseason is go up against one of the most well-respected well put together franchises in football in the Baltimore uh, Ravens. Ozzie Newsome has done an outstanding job since he has been with the team. And since he has stepped down, they haven't missed a beat. From Coach John Harbaugh, from every level of coaching that they had, this team has always been cream of the crop. They deserve to be on primetime television. They deserve the respect that they get because they are a top-notch organization. And when you go up against top-notch organizations like that and those players go out there and they show promise against that organization, that's a plus who that nation. And you can no longer use where they're just going up against these guys at practice because I don't care what anybody says. There's a reason why the Baltimore Ravens haven't lost a a preseason game since 2015 because they're one hell of an organization. And when you go up against really good organizations like that you can come away from a game and be like man those guys are really out there playing and you can kind of chunk that up to these guys developing so i don't understand like how some saints fans can be like man well they just went up against them and they don't get excited about these things when when these guys are developing get excited about that when you see this in a real game in real time when the pass come on and you're going up against a guy where you ain't got to worry about friendly fire right? You can really go out there and impose your will on this person. You know, like, that's when you need to get excited. That's, that's, I know I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited anytime I hear that because you, (laughs) saving money is the key, man. You know? 
Uh, good luck to the New Orleans Saints this season. Bowles, man, I appreciate that. Appreciate you, man, and good luck to um, – I'm going to say you're a Buck fan, man. Good luck to you all too, man, you know, except when you play us, man. <laughs> Let the best team win. Uh, TJ, what's your assessment on Jabari Greer? Uh, one of the best cornerbacks the Saints ever had. One of the best leaders uh, New Orleans Saints ever had. Uh, definitely uh, one of the top cornerbacks that, that ever came through this franchise. So, yeah, Jabari Greer is up there to me. And got whooped in a game in the snow. Bears had the number one ranked defense with Brian Urlacher. Uh, Saints had number one offense and the defense shut us down. Plus it was cold and snow. Yeah, man. I mean, the Saints were the Saints were um overachievers that year. I mean, let's I mean, let's just be real. They were 10 and 6, right? They were 10 and 6 in the number one seed. Now, we all know if you 10 and 6, you have no business being a number one seed. But that was just the way that uh, you know, that was just the way that that season went. And I remember how the Saints became the number one seed. Uh, I think I want to say. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Jay Cutler drew a pass to a wide open Devin Aroma should do a teammate of his from Vanderbilt in overtime. Uh, you know, no, nah, no, nah, you know what I'm saying? No, nah, nah, that's not how it happened. That's how the Vikings, that's how the Saints became the number one seed over the Vikings. I want, let me, let me backtrack this. I want to say the, the Bears slipped up and lost the game. And you know what I'm saying? And then another team, I want to say the Eagles did, and they slipped up. And that's how the Saints ended up begin, getting the two seed. I think the Saints got the two seed. They won the one seed. It was the two seed. Yeah, because they ended up playing the uh, Bears in the um, NFC Championship game. So let me scratch that. The Eagles uh, kind of slipped up. You know what I'm saying? The Bears uh, were the number one seed, and the Saints were like 10 and six, and they were a two seed. And that was like they were overachievers, okay? It was a bunch of like, you know, if if they wanted to make the replacements too and use the Saints team, like that, that that's what that would be. It was just a bunch of cowboy rejects that uh Sean Payton put together. And um they were able to win some games and you know, kind of overachieved. I, I don't think anybody saw them coming. You know, I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, TJ, what happened with Jalen Hurts tonight? Honestly, uh, MPR, I, I didn't watch the game. Uh, I didn't watch. I don't know if they're saving him for the regular season. I don't know if he has some type of, uh, you know, if he's uh, has some type of injury or something like that that they're trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to keep him out or they just trying to hold him off to the regular season. I don't know. Uh, who was the worst? Uh, the host, uh, Jason David, uh, Jason David, Jason David. <laughs> I ain't even got I ain't even got I ain't even gotta see no more. As soon as I see Jason David name, it just automatically uh becomes uh Jason David. Much love to everyone. Truly everyone stay healthy. Good night. Who that stay positive people? We will get past this. Uh Levi, yeah, man. Uh good luck to you. Stay happy, stay healthy, and you know, like yeah, we definitely gonna get past this. Hopefully, you know, soon. Soon. But we're gonna take a few more comments and then we're gonna go ahead and get up out of here, man, because it's uh, a little bit late where I'm at right now uh, because we didn't run the football in the snow. The Saints weren't designed like that, Tulsa Key. Uh, the Saints were establishing themselves at that particular time. And, you know, I, I, there's two things, you know what I'm saying? You, you live by the G-code, right? <laughs> you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz, okay? And you live by, you know what I'm saying, what brought you there, what brought you to the dance. 
throwing the ball all over the place brought the Saints to the dance. So there's no reason for, why they should get away from it. That's what got them there. So I don't, I don't knock them for that. Like I said, they were overachievers, you know. And I'm kind of, you know, to a certain extent, I'm kind of glad that they didn't win because I would have had to hear for the rest of my entire life, man, the only reason why y'all won the Super Bowl is because Hurricane Katrina happened and the league gave y'all a Super Bowl. Because they got some clowns out there right now that still actually believe this narrative to this day. Like, they feel like the Saints won the Super Bowl in 09 because the league felt sorry for the Saints and the Saints, you know what I'm saying, ended up winning the Super Bowl because the league felt sorry for them. Like, what kind of sense does that make, right? The first year removed from Hurricane Katrina when the Saints came back to the Superdome, the Saints went to the NFC Championship game. So if the NFL really wanted to make this a comeback story, wouldn't they have done it in 2006 versus doing it in 2009? And don't give me that stuff about, oh, man, it would have made that too obvious because I can tell you, did, didn't that big, terrible hurricane happen in Houston a couple years ago? And didn't, didn't the Houston Astros end up winning a World Series in the process? So don't say that it would have been too obvious or something like that if the league didn't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. That, I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous to me. That, that makes absolutely no sense. You know, it, it didn't make any sense at all then, and it don't make sense now. So for anybody that just, you know, hate on the Saints, you just don't like the Saints, look, I understand that. But come on, man, leave the sour grapes at the crib because that makes absolutely no sense, and that makes you look like a complete hater, a complete hater. Now, we know that there are some haters out there of the New Orleans Saints, but don't make it so obvious, man, okay? Don't make this as obvious as a black eye. You know what I'm saying? Don't 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 make this look as obvious uh, as a as a guy who doesn't use SPF 70 when he hits the beach and he's pale. You know what I mean? He's really dark skin or, you know, what I'm saying like that. Let, let's not make it that obvious. OK, you know what I'm saying? Let, let, let's not make it painstakingly obvious. Uh, TJ, you didn't like Deuce. Uh, Deuce who? Deuce McAllister? Uh, you talking about Deuce McAllister? No, I, I love Deuce McAllister. What Deuce are we talking about here? Yeah, I love Deuce McAllister. I ain't got nothing against Deuce at all. I think Deuce was one of the best running backs the Saints uh, ever had. I ain't got nothing against Deuce McAllister. TJ, you feel like family and I've never met you. Brought light to my darkest days and also the OG Jerry for the prayers. Much, uh, man, much love. Man, well, I appreciate that. And um, that's why, you know, Man, I, I just try to give you all just the best content I possibly can. And I'm glad that you enjoy the show. You know, if you, uh, it, it, people that, that comment and talk about how much they enjoy the show, it makes the, the show worth doing. So I appreciate uh, you all for that. You know, I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, all I know is everyone going to be shocked with us this year and for the next 15 years. Going to have winning season and Super Bowls, all because of one reason, Sean Payton. You find ways to turn undrafted to elite. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I don't think that the Saints are going to be as bad as people making them out to be. They're going to have to show that to me. And even if they were, I mean, I'm still going to be doing this show with the same type of enthusiasm I have as they have been one of the most successful teams in the NFL over the last four years because I'm a Saints fan. And my fandom and my love does not waver. 
uh, my frustration, you know what I'm saying, it, you know, amplifies when they don't do well because I'm a fan. You know what I'm saying? I'm passionate about the team. So, but at, but as far as like ever giving up on this squad, always, you know what I'm saying? Like just, oh man, nah, they, they ain't never going to happen. TJ, you had to choose between Fred Thomas, Jared Burns, and Jason Davis to intercept a burglar who was uh, escaping. Who you going with? Uh, Jerry's bird. Jerry's bird issue wasn't the fact that he couldn't play football; it was the fact that he was injured. Jerry's bird before he got signed that six-year deal with the Saints led the NFL in interceptions. He had nine interceptions. So if I'm asking for an interception, yeah, I'll go with Jerry's bird. Uh, the way that the Saints uh, had him playing, it just didn't cater to his strengths. The Saints uh, was being a little bit of a copycat. They they got Rob Ryan and they wanted him to kind of do this whole triangle type defense that seattle was running where they had jerry's bird in the middle of the field and he can pick his poison uh but you know that just wasn't his lane you know there's a reason why earl thomas was really really good uh during his during his time and um you know everybody can't do that so it was just it, it just wasn't a good fit and then you combine the fact that he was injured it, it just it was a disaster man it was a disaster yeah 2006 season was a turnaround of the Saints franchise to make us legit for years to come. Yep. That was definitely a tone setter. That was definitely a tone setter. Uh, TJ, do you say big role for Quine Baker? I'm getting a little nervous, man, especially when I'm starting to see him late in them games and not seeing many plays being uh, called for him. So uh, big role. No. Um, be a factor. Possibly. Uh, probably going to be later in the season. If the Saints decide to use him, uh you know use him uh later on in the season somebody get hurt or something like that i just feel like they look at him as maybe like a project or they'll probably have him you know kind of do a jet sweep at the red zone kind of things that he was similar to doing uh at south alabama you know he did a really good job in the red zone they usually they used him kind of like that john o. smith role where they used to have him like in the backfield had him running jet sweeps had him running like some of those like little uh you know, quick uh, in plays, you know, quick out routes and stuff like that in order for him to get into the end zone using his big frame. Uh, so I can see the Saints actually doing that with him if somebody like Ty Montgomery goes down. Because as of right now, the Saints kind of use Ty Montgomery in that same role as Quine Baker. So it might be an uphill battle for him. I don't feel like they're going to cut him. He's probably going to end up on a practice squad and probably get activated if somebody gets hurt. I can see him as a red zone threat before I see him doing anything else. And maybe uh, with a couple reps and maybe a couple years in the same system, he'll probably end up being that third down back that we've been missing uh, since Kenny Steele's been here, Lance Moore, and uh, Willie Sneed. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Make sure you hit that like button on your way out. Really would appreciate that if you enjoyed the State of the Saints podcast. Help the State of the Saints podcast grow. Uh, also want to thank the Pigskin Podcast Network, the official home of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, you can go to uh, the Pigskin. You can, well, Google uh, the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, and you can, you know, go ahead and check out some of the other uh, podcasts that they have available if you're not uh, a Saint fan. Uh, all 32 teams are represented on the Pigskin Podcast Network, so check that out. Also, follow them at Pigskin Pod uh, Net, um, Pigskin Pod Net, uh, that is on Twitter. And uh, also, previous episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, uh, episodes of the State of the Saints podcast. Go to Facebook.com, search 
the State of the Saints podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at TJAYJones8. And uh, trying to see if I forget everything. Oh, yeah. The show is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code State of Saints. Save 20% off. All right. So much love to you. Hope everybody has a good, productive day, uh, evening, night. Whenever you're checking out this podcast, like always, all I got to say is, who that?